0: Audio document created February 15th, 2012. Uh, Last night I spoke with Micah Hanks on his audio podcast series uh, which is called The Graylian Report. We spoke for about 45 minutes. I am including an excerpt of that uh, of his podcast show at the at the end of this introduction here um, where him and I talk about owls and uh, multiple things, their mystical connection to human history, as well as their connection to the UFO lore, as well as how they seem to be intertwined in certain synchronistic events. Uh, This is something I am quite eager to talk about, and and, uh, it's something that fascinates me, and I actually have no good answer on what it may or may not mean. Now, during the 45-minute excerpt from his show, uh, I share a few owl stories, and if anyone has been listening to this podcast series of my own, um, they may have heard some of those. But um, you know, so they'll be repeated there. And then at the end of of the excerpt with uh, with Micah, I'm going to chime in and continue and share a few more owl stories. Um, things that I have posted about, but I'll just do it verbally for folks that are, uh, you know, might find it more interesting to hear me talk rather than to read my uh, written words. Again, I have no idea what it may or may not mean. Um, I will say that it is an ongoing pattern uh, that is mystifying to me as well as very seductive. It's very interesting. The owl itself is uh, very beautiful and alluring, and I just can't help but be fascinated uh, on multiple levels. Okay, we're going to start with Micah Hanks, and then at the end of 45 minutes, I'm going to chime back in, and you're going to hear me talk a little more about owls. Please enjoy.
1: But when I thought about the connection with owls, I thought there's nobody probably who understands owls better than my good friend Mike Cleland of the Hidden Experience blog, who joins us now. Mike, how are you doing? Good. I'm so glad to have you on the program, as always, because, you know, you've got so many interesting insights. And, yes, indeed, there's a link at your website uh, that is to what we call the owl story. You were the first person, probably, who ever, during an interview, we were having a long conversation one day, and uh, you said, Micah, what do you think about owls? But in this instance, I'm going to do the same thing back at you. Mike, what is it about owls that relates so integrally with strange phenomena and synchronicity?
0: I do not have a good answer to that. One thing to consider uh, right off is that in the UFO abduction lore, there is something that's referred to as a screen memory. And uh, anyone who's listening to your show has probably got a little bit of a foundation in the, the, you know, the literature of the UFO or alien abduction or contact (laughs) lore. Um, the, the, People who claim the abduction phenomena will often claim seeing owls, and upon deeper investigation, and sometimes that investigation involves uh, hypnotic regression, they mm-hmm. will uh, realize that it was not an owl at all. It was actually a uh, gray alien with the large, en- enigmatic eyes. Uh, the this you know that so a witness may report something that you know, here I was driving down a lonely road at night, and I turned a corner, and there standing in the road were three four-foot-tall owls. The next thing I knew, uh, I was driving along again, and I had experienced missing time. That's the kind of story that gets reported over and over again. And uh, upon investigation, uh, those owls turn out not to be owls. Uh, th- that said, very real owls seem to show up in not only... My life, but in others. Uh, On my blog, I did put out a call to. um, uh, I just put a posting up one time, and it's like, "Hey, if anyone has any owl stories, why don't you send them to me?" And uh, I wasn't exactly flooded, but I got, let's say, dozens of very unusual owl stories. Uh, Still pretty
1: significant, though, isn't it? I mean, that's that's a good number of people who you know contacted you and saying, "Hey, you know, I've had similar experiences, and I can't explain those."
0: Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and then also just the fact that the owl has a place in, in mythological lore, uh, all across the spectrum, you know, whether that be in native Americans or whether that be ancient Greeks or Egyptians, uh, the owl does show up as a, as a, uh, sort of a totem animal of sorts throughout the, the histories. And, and the, the, uh, the mythology surrounding the owl isn't always the same, um, uh you know there's, it's it's in certain native american tribes it's a uh harbinger of of bad luck and then <laughs> in um other lore's it is it is seen because it can see at night because it, it has those big eyes and because it's seen at night it it is uh a uh, it can see into the other realm. It mm-hmm. is a gateway into the other realm, and that that night vision is its is the sort of metaphor for that, uh, you know, straddling two worlds.
1: Yeah, the owl. You know, and there are so many strange uh, traditions that are that are kind of associated with owls and their presence. I mean, one of the obvious ones you and I have probably discussed this in in the past, just as well, is the way that the owl. In many traditions, is believed to. I think you already mentioned being a harbinger of death, but I know that especially in Appalachian folklore, there was this old notion that if an owl showed up and and lit outside your window and sat there and watched people, that it meant that there would be a death soon in the family. Um, But you see that kind of story in a lot of different traditions. A lot of different cultures seem to accept the owl maybe as you know some sort of a you know a, a kind of partially supernatural being itself something that like you said straddles uh, you know a bit of both worlds
0: very much so and and it's also in if anyone has seen an owl up close and I have um, they are very uh, you know on you know they're very big strong beautiful bird but there's something very haunting and very spooky about them and i think that everyone would recognize that in in seeing an owl whether that be me or uh you know an ancient egyptian you know seeing uh an owl they would i'm quite certain they would have the same uh you know that that would it would strike the same chord deep inside them
1: mhm absolutely um the owls also i see in a lot of cultures and not just owls but birds of prey in general you see this a lot in the uh very anthropic um, representations of humans with animal heads and things. Uh, for instance, in ancient Egypt, uh, there were owls and falcons and and creatures like that that were often represented because these birds were also uh, associated with strength and power and things like that. Um, and then, of course, as John, the listener uh, who had written in with the question about owls, had said, he had pointed out that, you know, in the Athenian, I think that there were some, you know, different kinds of, occur- you know, currency and, and things like that used in ancient Greece that incorporated the owl and the, the imagery of the owl. But now here's where it gets kind of funny and into the realm of what we would uh, call synchronicity. I remember once you and I were talking, Mike, and this is why I always enjoy your insights on things because. Uh, I'm the kind of person who often my my experience, you know, in life, especially with relation to strange and unusual things, uh, is is a bit lacking. I'm pretty boring in that regard. But uh, by the same token, uh, I remember you asked me once, "Well, have you ever experienced something synchronistic or synchronicity? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, something just an incredible coincidence?" I said, "Oh, I have that happen all the time." And you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And yet you say that you don't have things happen. And it's funny how I think a lot of people will make a distinction between what I tend to refer to as the more subtle essence of the strange and unusual versus, you know, the, have you seen a Sasquatch? Have you seen a UFO or a ghost or a goblin or something like that? Very seldom do we look at something like the owl and the role it plays in culture and the symbolism associated with that and think, my gosh, you know, where does all that come from? Why is it that in abductee reports, guys like Whitley Streber talk about literally... Waking up the morning following, uh, you know, what, what we presume was, you know, a, a literal, uh, you know, being taken from his room, if we're to believe literally what, what it was talking about in, in the book Communion, being taken from his room and taken aboard some sort of a vessel and examined by some non human intelligence. He was very careful to say what they were also, but in his experiences, the morning after, he often remembered, you know, again, just seeing like what looked like a great big barn owl or something landing on the windowsill and staring at him with these large black eyes. So, you know, there's something about the prevalence of these things in relation to strange phenomena and the way that our mind interprets the relationship with things that we don't understand, maybe things that terrify us even, and the presence of the owl. Again, it's like a go-between maybe between these strange elements of our existence.
0: Um, Whitley Streeper once commented, uh, that the owl with its large eyes may be a, um, he's, has a funny way of talking sometimes. He's, he's almost, he's ever the poet in a way. And, uh, and it's this, sometimes he blurs the line a little bit about, you know, like whether he's speculating or whether he's talking from, from some sense of deep knowing, but he said that the owl has, uh, the capability where they, you know, the visitors, the aliens, can see through the owl's eyes. So the owl is almost a, a tool, not unlike a video surveillance camera, where they can tap into those large night vision eyes. And mm. then they can, so so the, the visitors don't have to actually travel here, they can just for instance, whether it's through telepathic means or whether they switch a little switch in their their little flying saucer somewhere, but they can then see through the eyes of the owl. Now, I have absolutely no idea whether that's true or not, but that is a, a, a little uh, a spooky, little you know, uh, interesting way to, to 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 contemplate the mystery of the owl.
1: Yeah, we, always, as you point out, he he has a very uh, unique way with words. And, uh, you know, I think that there are many times uh, in his books where it's difficult to tell, you know, whether he means something very literally or whether there is intended to be some sort of a kind of, you know, a a philosophical or, you know, kind of a symbolic allusion being made to something. Uh, Another animal that that kind of, of, uh, you know, makes its, its, uh, you know, a, a certain kind of prevalence in his own experience was the wolf. I remember there was that experience that he described in the book where he's traveling by train and he also I think looks out the window and has a remembrance of seeing a wolf sitting on top of a hill how, howling or something like that and you know whatever it is it's it's this connection with creatures of the night and I'll share something with you real quick also with regard to wolves I'm, I know that we're supposed to be talking about owls here but because Streber mentioned uh, wolves I gotta mention my own wolf story too there was only one time when I was a kid ever that I had a really truly terrifying dream I mean like wakes you up from the, from, you know, you know, from bed and you're screaming and crying and you don't know where you are and what you're experiencing. Now, in this experience uh, of mine, I remember uh, looking to the edge of the bed. I was just about like four or five years old. I was just really small, but I remember distinctly look, you know, in the dream, waking up and thinking that everything in the room was exactly as it should have been. I mean, I was awake. I could recognize everything in the room with me. And there at the edge of the bed is a wolf. But it's not really like a wolf, like the animal. I mean, like I see the face, the ears, and the big yellow saucer-shaped eyes staring directly at me. This wolf, he's peering. You know, all I can see is from the nose up at the foot of the bed staring directly at me. And it scared the living hell out of me. I woke up. I was so terrified that for the entire next day... I was convinced and I accused my father of having gone in there and done something, put on a mask or something to try and scare me. That's how real this dream was. And, again, there's this this image of the wolf, you know, which I thought was kind of funny. Now, you know, I mentioned this to people in in abduction circles and they're like, now, Micah, I don't know. That sounds a lot like, you know, some of these experiences that the abductees describe. Um, I don't have any other you know kind of link in my mind to alien abductions and things like that bill and nancy burns have uh, kind of thought maybe i did at some point i don't feel that that's the case i know others who do uh, but i thought that it was strange again that in this dream that i had truly the probably the very most terrifying dream i've ever experienced it was a wolf at the edge of my bed staring at me with big yellow eyes like it was gonna come eat me or something
0: i have um heard one wolf story which is interesting um in, in conjunction with the uh, alien abduction phenomenon where, uh, and, and this is a private story, and I don't want to share too much, so I'm going to keep uh, a lot of the details hidden here. Sure. So uh, three people standing on a street corner in a city, uh, they look up, they see a bright light, and they're like, huh, what is that? The next thing they know, all of them, uh, the, the, the two people wake up in their bed. And then they, you know, they connect up later that day and then explain what happened. You know, like, wait a minute, we were just, all of us were standing on the corner. Um, so the third person is a young woman and um, she, was uh, standing on the street corner, sees the bright light. The next thing she knows, she's driving, but she's not near her own home. She's very close to a boyfriend's home and it's late at night. It was, let's say, midnight when they saw the bright light and now it's three in the morning. Uh she is very close to his house, so she drives to his house, pounds on the door. He opens the door immediately and says, I was waiting for you. And um, later, she's sitting with him, and then she sees him, watches him morph into a werewolf. Hmm. She watches him. He morphs into a werewolf. They're sitting there, and then he morphs back into his regular person. And she's obviously quite shaken. Her eyes are, you know, uh, showing the shock and emotion. And he looks at her and says, "Ooh, you saw that, didn't you?" <laughs> um, now that is those details are things that if I was to make up a story about like alien abduction, I would not include that. Or let's say UFO abduction. This is such so murky. Uh, I, I use that catchphrase sometimes, and and I really don't have a good answer to what it might be. But uh, that. That's the kind of story that that one hears, uh, and that's also the kind of story that does not show up in, you know, let's say, late night television documentaries that uh, you know that uh, are uh, trying to depict the same phenomena.
1: Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right, Mike. You know, and and that's the thing is that you know when you dig into a lot of this sort of stuff, I, something I've noticed, and something that I know very well by now, is that uh, if you really Study what abductees say versus what the media portrayal of alien abduction and these sorts of certain uh, scenarios often really entail uh you know i think that you begin to find uh, differences differences a lot of differences uh, and, and and in fact i think that sometimes some of the most relevant details some of the most important facets of these strange symbolic experiences are left out by the really hardcore nuts and bolts aliens are taking people and experimenting on them type researchers uh we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to continue our discussion with mike kleeland about synchronicity owls and esoterica here on the greylin report They flutter in the night. They're not bats. They're not even moths. No, they're owls. And I think that it's something that is less often explored in terms of understanding the strange and the unusual is the strange relationship that we as humans have with odd creatures of the night, specifically those known as the owl. You know, the Mothman is a character that is very well known, and yet most people aren't aware of the fact that there was also allegedly a creature seen in the UK called the Owl Man. Uh, our guest this hour is Mr. Mike Cleland, who's joining us to discuss this subject a good bit, because he's had a number of these sorts of experiences himself, and he discusses them at his website. Uh, and, and Mike, actually, so that I don't mess it up, would you go ahead and give us that website address for the listeners, please?
0: Okay, the website is hiddenexperience, all one word, dot .blogspot.com. And if you just uh type in hidden experience blog into google it comes right up
1: excellent uh, mike you know are you familiar with the stories of the owl man and 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 maybe what that kind of has to do with all this stuff did, did i mean was that like a mothman type creature can those stories even be taken seriously
0: you know i have i've only read a little bit about it and um it's it's my understanding it it has the same flavor as the mothman uh events that took place in point pleasant in the late 60s uh and this took place in england and um yeah so i can't really speak to that except i just i definitely know it had the same flavor and the uh actually winged creature was referred to as uh, owl man in Mm -hmm. in that lore as opposed to um, the the moniker it got in uh in west virginia
1: You know, and the funny thing about the West Virginia Mothman creature is that by a lot of the eyewitness reports, if they're to be taken literally again, because I think that there's a lot more to the Mothman mystery than literally just the presence of a great big bird-like thing. You know, I think even John Keel said that there were probably a whole different host of different kinds of things going on that were all lumped into one apparently uh, interrelated phenomenon, which we refer to as Mothman. But that said, there were a lot of reports that described the thing as looking a lot like a great big owl.
0: Very much so, and that would be why, if it was the same creature, let's say, that would be, you know, how it would have gotten that name in England. And Absolutely. I think that was in the very early 70s, if I'm not mistaken, that it showed up in England, and I may be wrong.
1: And whether or not there was an actual physical creature, again, I'm just interested that there's this parallel. Even if somebody flat out made that up, what is it about the owl that draws people to the uh, to their expressions of weirdness like that, you know? And that seems to be something that's so consistent. <laughs> You yourself, uh, you know, and and I know that this is, you know, a fairly personal subject for you discussing owls because you have had a number of interesting experiences. You discussed some of those at your blog. You know, what have your own experiences been with regard to owls and synchronicity and the unusual, the hidden experiences, as you like to call them?
0: Um, Now, uh, to tell this story correctly, I, I'll just tell you the, where the first time I experienced the owls. Now, just so you know, I do live in a place with a lot of owls. I live in the northern Rockies in rural Idaho, so there are a lot of owls here, and um, so let me just tell this one story, uh, and then uh, it kind of typical of any of these things that kind of weave all over the place, but, but, uh, there is an interconnectedness to all this. Okay. I, uh, went out camping with a friend and this was a young woman that I had just met. And, uh, and I basically said, Hey, I go out camping all the time. I go out for one night. If the weather's clear, I don't bother taking a tent. We sleep out under the stars. It's beautiful. And, you know, we can leave late at night or not, excuse me, late in the afternoon and then, uh, just come back in the morning. And, uh, the terrain that's around me, the, Grand Teton National Park is right uh, out my window, pretty much. So, uh, you know that it's quite beautiful. So, we get out there. We uh, are walking along. I she was actually I didn't know her that well, and um, uh, we stop. it's sun is setting. Um, I'm making dinner on a little camp stove, and we're having a conversation. And I and it's it's I realize that this person that I'm talking with, her name is Kristen, is uh, quite. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm quite impressed. She's, all of a sudden the conversation gets really deep, and I realize this is a smart, insightful person. And then at that moment, an owl starts flying above us. And then a second owl. And then a third owl. And we literally uh, watch the sun go down. These owls are flying around. They're landing on tree branches near us. They're looking down at us. Uh, And... Um, we lie down under the stars. Now owls are extremely quiet. They have uh, alternating feathers where there's almost like a down feather in between each of their flight feathers. What it does is makes them extremely quiet when they fly. Uh, so we were laying down on our backs, looking up at the you know the abundance of stars that you get at uh, high elevation in the Rockies here, and uh, just spectacular. And then the owls would swoop down silently, getting Really, what it felt like really close to our faces, and then the stars would black out for just a second. It was extraordinary. Um, so the next day, you know, we're both kind of like shaken, like, wow, that was really incredible. And we say, let's go out and camp again. So uh, I think it was four or five days later, we go camping at an entirely different spot. And this time, it's the weather is a little bit cooler. And we have a little shelter that's set up, and and uh, it's cold enough that we're a little chilly, and the sun is setting. And I say, let's just hike up to that uh, that little uh, hilltop right there, and get a view. We can watch the sunset, and then we can come back down, and just that little bit of a walk will warm us up before we go into the climb into the shelter. And she's she says, great. So we walk up in the twilight, and we stand on top of this uh, beautiful hilltop. We're probably at about well over 10,000 feet um, in elevation. And um, at that elevation, the trees are kind of scrubby and short, so there's not really tall trees around. And um, beautiful view of the sunset, and then one owl lands, two owl lands, and then a third owl land. And so that within four days, we have uh, two different sightings with three owls that basically come and hang out with us. So once again, we spent about a half hour there until it was too dark to really see much. We, we had our uh, flashlights, so we could walk back down to the shelter. But these owls basically just stood there and watched us from uh, very close proximity um, you know both of us were pretty shaken we were we were like totally googling spirit animals and things like that when we got back to to town and then um, I think it was well over a year later I contacted Kristen who who later moved out of town and I said do you remember? Actually, it was when I was writing up the story. I was writing up the story for one of the very initial blog postings on my blog, which would have been in 2009. And I think this event took place in 2007. Um, So uh, I called her up and I said, do you remember what we were talking about the night we were talking, you know, when we first saw the owls the very first time? Because I remember we were talking about something profound, and she said right away, she said, oh yes, I remember, I was trying to describe my deepest definition of God. And that's when they appeared. Now this is the kind of thing that is, it's sort of, it's not truly a synchronicity, but it is sort of a profound, almost mystical event. And then to get tied into, you know, the definition of God was, was you know, made it all the, the, all the experience all that more rich.
1: I would have to say so, and man, I tell you you know owls uh, i i I have heard at times that people will say that owls can tend to be maybe kind of curious, but you know I mean when you have experience after experience where three you know owls are showing up and just hanging out, I I, mean, they were-
0: I, yeah, I have an experience where I was with a friend. And- and um we were uh camping with a big group and it's grizzly bear terrain where I live, so you know, some people were hanging the food in the trees and there was a little pond near us, but the water was kinda of murky and, and I remembered that there was a little spring on the trail back away. So I said, Okay oh, listen, let's we're gonna go back. We we'll take everyone's water bottles, we'll fill up the water bottles and we'll come back here and, and then everyone will have nice clean water rather than this sort of murky swamp water. So they're doing a nice thing and then we go off to do a nice thing and and, uh, and this altruistic thing is part of it, I th- as far as like somehow that's interconnected, so we uh, carry all the you know take backpacks, take all the water bottles, fill them all up. Um, and the fellow that I'm walking with, we have what amounts to a really deep conversation about you know, synchronicities, about UFOs, about the meaning of life. And then we get back to our campsite, and the people are still off in the trees. Um, you can hear them thrashing around off in the distance, setting up the bear hang with some cord. And then we um, are at the little campsite, which is this tiny little clearing, this little meadow in among the trees. And we, uh, this is, now here's the odd thing, and I can't explain this. Both of us did something without uh, saying anything to each other. We both laid on our backs and looked straight up at the sky. And um, so in essence, we're sort of looking up into us, you know, looking straight up the sky. We can only see through this small little circle, this tiny little meadow. And as soon as we lay down, um, there's a, there's literally a, a crashing coming out high in the trees, and five owls flew around us, above us in this twilight, for about um, um, probably less than a half hour, more like 20 minutes. And and that was uh, that's the most owls I've ever seen at one time. Um, wow! And I've seen three owls just like that other story I've told a, a, a bunch of times. And, and I've talked to owl biologists, which which they have here in, uh, you know, uh, close to Yellowstone National Park. And, and I've talked to them. And I said, here's my experiences. And they kind of look at me and they shake their head. And I say, is this normal? And they're like, nope, nope. That I've never heard of this stuff before. <laughs> Why are they so drawn to you, Mike? I have no idea. So uh, I all I can say is that uh, if I treat it like a synchronicity, uh, which I would just have to say just to pay attention... And and I've heard one person. His name is Alan abedassa Green, who wrote a or edited a book on synchronicity. And his take on synchronicities is that they are. Uh, it's a compass bearing, you know. In when you're, you know, like when you're on a on a boat on the ocean, there's really no way to tell which way is north and south if you don't have a you know the sun up. Um, uh, so you so like to, to do any sort of traveling, you have to have a compass bearing. And he said, these are just giving you an indication of of a direction to travel in. And so on almost all of these occasions, they were they were uh, you know the, the, what led up to these was either profound conversations, you know, literally, like the, you know the definition of God, um, or like a deep spiritual recognition that you know, like the wilderness was magical. And, uh, and so I just have to trust that those are important. Those are something to pay attention to. And um, uh, that's actually one of the questions I ask. I do, I've been doing a lot of uh, UFO research. And one of the questions I've started to ask, which I don't think is on like the MUFON checklist of things to ask, is so someone says, you know, we were sitting in the backyard, and, and uh, then I looked up and I saw a UFO. And I'll ask you know, well, what were you talking about right before you saw the UFO? And, and this just happened the other night in a conversation and the person says, you know, it's funny you should ask that because what I was talking about is I was very adamant and I was very agitated and I said the movie, The Fourth Kind, which is about UFO abductions and mm-hmm. owls and also quite exploitative. He had just seen it and he was talking to his friend and he was making sort of a, a passionate speech saying that the, that movie was was uh, did a disservice to the ufo abduction lore because it treated it as just a scary monster movie and and he was you know he basically was on his high horse saying you know like you know that that the ufo abduction lore is something very serious and shouldn't be taken lightly and shouldn't be treated so cavalierly and so uh you know silly as it was in that movie and that's what he was talking about right before he and this other person had what amounted to a profound ufo experience in the backyard.
1: Interesting. It brings to mind that idea that there's uh, some seeming element to all this that involves an interaction between those who are witnessing the phenomenon and then the phenomena itself. And I have to just say, uh, let's make a brief note and aside here. I, I really kind of agree uh, with the sentiment of uh, that individual with regard to the fourth kind, you know, I mean, as a, as a horror film, maybe it's okay. But so many of these UFO type films, and Matt Oakley, our engineers over here, you know, shaking his head, he doesn't think it was a good movie at all. No, it's, it was horrible. <laughs> but but you know, the thing is that so many of these films. So many of the ones that deal with UFOs, fire in the sky was the same way. That If you read Travis Walton's encounter and you compare that with what is in that film, there is very little similarity aside from the fact that they're out in the woods, they see the thing, he runs up underneath it, and he disappears for a few days. What took place on board the ship was a complete fabrication. It was rewritten because it wasn't scary enough the way that Travis told it in the book. And you see that so often in, in films and, and, you know, television and media portrayals of alien abduction, which is, again, why I say even a lot of the books that deal with this sort of thing don't really canvas all the elements that could be associated with it, namely the symbolic elements that are kind of you know interlaced within the experience and that's again why i'm looking we're taking one element of that tonight the owl angle and kind of looking at that a little more closely one of our listeners wrote in tonight uh and he said you know before i called not i was wanting to share with you a synchronicity within a synchronicity last night uh, my wife and i were watching bodyguard which was of course you know it was a being aired as a tribute to uh, the the late singer whitney houston who's passed away just this week a part of the film uh had a call of an owl that appeared in several scenes throughout the movie. And my wife said, did you hear that owl? She said she's aware that the owl is, of course, a sign of death, which was a belief in the Old Testament times. We discussed that earlier on the program just as well. And he said, you mentioned synchronicity and owls. I thought, what a weird combination. And then it hit me, wow, this in itself is kind of a synchronicity within a synchronicity. You all have a great night and be blessed, Mr. Mike. So that's kind of interesting, too. And and that was something that I noticed just the other day when I was thinking about this. And my whole reason for having you on the program tonight to, to look at the owl thing, Mike, was that what we had uh, uh, with, with our uh, the, the initial email, I think it was John from Toronto that wrote in and was talking about owls and things. I had just put an article up at com, and if you go to the Grayling Report, you can actually see that. It, it links to another article that was sent to me by my friend David Jones, editor of New Dawn Magazine in Australia. And sure enough, I go to look at that article. Now, this is, again, an, an image that I posted with this article before the email exchange with the gentleman from Canada – and there's this trickster character. He looks like a uh, you know like a jester, and he's holding up a mirror in one hand, and on his right hand there is of course an owl sitting there. And I'm thinking, you know, it's so funny how these things, you know, like they they tend to happen in threes. And that in, indeed was for me kind of a small synchronicity as well. Um, next thing we know, there's going to be an owl flying into somebody's living room, and they're going to call in and tell us about this. Probably <laughs> that seems to be the way it happens, huh?
0: Uh, strangely enough, that is exactly the way it has, seems to unfold, is, is it unfolds with these, you know, like, synchronicities are almost like describing dreams, where mm-hmm. to tell them correctly, you know, they they you have to go through so much backstory, like, here's what the synchronicity meant, because, you know, here's what led up to it, and here's the connecting string, and uh, oftentimes... You know, uh, it, it's so personalized that it won't mean anything unless it's you know uh, you know the person telling the synchronicity may not be able to share the power that it had to him as an individual. That's certainly my experience.
1: Oh yes, yes, in, indeed. I think that's part of the entire nature of synchronicity uh, in itself is that uh, the the synchronicity only has meaning or apparent meaning because it is again something that uh, that appears as a link or a relationship or or something that that, that you know builds i guess uh, we might say a relationship between two otherwise unrelated things uh, for there to be some sort of a importance that can be drawn between two separate elements or or occurrences there has to of course you know be some sort of a symbolism or there has to be some sort of a meaning that the individual interprets which again you know, I want to be careful. I don't, I don't want to say that, uh, you know, we, we can pull quantum physics into it and say that the act of observing our reality uh, on a quantum level applies to real life, because a lot of people say that, uh, you know, the, the quantum physicists rather will point out to you that what we observe on the quantum level uh, does not directly pertain to how things seem to occur in real life, but, or, or in the physical world as we, you know, perceive it on a day to day basis. But that said, again, I don't think you can deny in reports of strange and unusual occurrences and happenings, that there seems to be a very interactive element. And and it all comes back to what we as the viewers, you know, we as those who are perceiving the phenomena, make of it, how we interpret it, you know, and how what kind of culture is built around it. You know, I was talking with my brother last night, and we were talking about ghosts and everything, and he said he never wanted to live in a haunted house. And I said, well, you know, I would uh, say I wouldn't be, you know, opposed to that. And the reason why is because... I don't think I'm bothered by the idea of what we culturally refer to as a ghost as much as other people because I think, indeed, the idea of a disembodied spirit of the dead is something that maybe we project onto the phenomenon – Whereas indeed what we could be experiencing is some sort of a physical, uh, you know, physical anomaly, some sort of a rent in space-time that allows some individual from a past epoch, you know, to appear in our own reality temporarily, and maybe even allows for temporary interaction with them. Now I don't know that that could, you know, seek to explain all instances where people claim to see what they perceive as being a spirit of the dead. But the point is that you know, again, is it really that ghosts are spirits of the dead, or are we? Interacting with a phenomena that we interpret to the best of our ability and culturally the label we place on what we call ghosts and therefore the fear that we derive from that experience is from the perception of them as a spirit, you know, an undead, uh, you know, personage or something like that, you know. So, again, I think it all comes down to the nature of the individual and how we perceive the experience as it's occurring and playing out before us.
0: So, um, can I tell a story?
1: Absolutely, please.
0: Okay, this this is a this is exactly the kind of thing that's a little complicated. There's a collision of so many different elements in the story, including owls, that um, it, it just leaves me perplexed to try to to try to give it any sort of meaning. Um, first, let me explain that uh, this took place in 2009, and I know the date exactly. It happened on. Um, October 3rd and I know that because on October 4th I had planned to have a psychic reading with a psychic and her name is Marla Fries and I had and it, she's she's sort of popular and and she's booked up way in advance so it, so it took me months to get this psychic reading and that was for Sunday October 4th now Uh, on Saturday, October 3rd, the day before, I get up, i I sort of um, tootling around on the internet, and I find this website called Synchronicity. And the story of the day was a guy who... uh, was it just a little essay, typical sort of blog posting, and it was about a guy who uh, was having uh, money troubles with his wife, and he sort of storms out um, of his house and goes down to the river to go fishing, just to clear his mind. And he, um, a, an owl flies over him and drops something shiny in the water. And he sort of wades out into the water and finds it in in the rocks, in the shallow water, and it's a money clip with his initials on it. So I thought that was a very interesting article. You know, like, that's a, wow, that's a perfect synchronicity. And um, I was going uh, to leave a comment on it, just because I'm you know, fascinated by owls and I'm fascinated by synchronicities. So I scrolled down, but before I could leave a comment, I found another comment, and it was from a woman. And uh, she said, hey, I had an owl experience once. I was in a meadow where 50 owls were surrounding me. It was the most mystical experience of my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh! I'm not you know, so also now I'm sidetracked, right? So I was going to do one thing, and I and then I click on this woman, you know, typical of a uh, you know modern, uh, you know, so this is the 21st century. So I clicked on her little uh, avatar, and uh, just a blonde woman with sunglasses, and um, it took me to her website, and then from there I got her email, and I sent her an email and basically say like, listen, I want to hear more about this story with these 50 owls. And, and then she replies right away. She says, oh, I wrote it up as a, uh, uh, a creative writing essay once. And so I, I posted it on my blog. Here's the link to my blog. And I just posted it just now, just because you reminded me of it. So um, I go to her blog. I read this uh, essay, which is nicely written. It's very mysterious, very spooky. And she writes about being in this meadow with 50 owls and a man named Christian. Now, part of her little essay which I didn't get into in my other one was she's with a man named Christian and she sort of she doesn't sort of she very much writes like she's basically longing for the first kiss with this guy Christian and what I did not share with my story with uh, I guess I implied it I certainly shared it when I wrote it on my blog posting is my experience with a woman Kristen I was uh, you know, sort of in that same point, I'm like, good grief, this woman is very impressive. And and I wrote it in a way, you know, like you, you don't have to read between the lines, but it's certainly implying that I was longing for that first kiss. Now, um, mm-hmm. uh, so I write back to her and I say, wow, that's a really beautiful story. So she, the story involves basically her and her friend, you know, walking through the woods. They come into a clearing and there are 50 owls sort of ringing. She says, approximately 50 owls ringing the, uh, the trees uh, looking down at them. Uh now I uh you know, so I say, Wow, that's an interesting story. And then she emails right back and she says, Oh, um, you know, a funny thing happened when Christian and I were driving home from our walk in the woods, we saw a UFO. Oh <laughs> wow. And I go, What? You know, like do you do you know what my but my you know, I have a website and it's all about UFOs, owls, and synchronicities. And then she emails back right away. And it's funny, these emails are coming back, you know, fast and furious. There's we don't really wait between them. And she I didn't I didn't know anything about her at all. And she said, Oh, you know who you need to talk to? You need to talk to my friend Marla Freeze. She's tapped in. <laughs> now, to sort of dissect that that set of events, I mean there's there's multiple owl stories, there's the weird longing between Christian and Kristen, you know, that takes place, but for the author of these blog posts, there's the UFO element, and then there's this, uh, like her, like this premonition of her uh, telling me that I need to talk to Marla Fries, and I had an appointment with her, you know, less than 24 hours later. Unbelievable. Now, the funny, so here, I'll just jump ahead. Now, Marla Fries was supposed to um, talk to me at uh, one o'clock and she calls me up at 10:30 in the morning and she basically kind of says she's kind of sounds mad i've never talked to her ever she sounds mad and she says what the hell is going on you know like what is going on like i am like like you know like i'm getting downloaded with so much stuff right now and i was like whoa 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 i don't know what's going on and she's like okay um you have to come and this is very she's you know very new agey but she kind of you know kind of uh, grilled me a little bit and she said i don't know what's going on but you have to come to this psychic session with an open hearts chakra and I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, a little, you know. So I didn't know what to do. I sat on the couch for a little while and just went, okay, whew, open heart chakra, open heart chakra. And then um, the appointment was supposed to be at a, a one, and she calls me at 11 a.m. and she she says, okay, I can't stand this anymore. We're starting right now. And uh, she says that's never happened to her before, where she had that kind of uh, uh, incredible, uh, you know, the way she described it, it felt like her little spirit guides who were who were in you know, uh, who she works with, as far as her psychic skills, were sort of, you know, ringing the alarm bell, basically saying, like, this has to happen now. Uh, And she said that never happened before. Uh, I don't know how much to read into that. Um, I will say that it was very, I wish I had recorded this session. It was really interesting. Um, And I was very impressed with her skills. She was saying things that she would have had no way of knowing, um, you know, independently. So...
1: Wow, that's incredible. That really is a good story. Mike, can you hang with us for the last segment? we got about maybe uh, six minutes left. Sure. Excellent. Well, we will come back to this conversation right after this year on The Grailing Report. You know, I wonder sometimes, and I just have to put this out there right before we actually get to this break, that occasionally it does seem, doesn't it, that um, – we are meant to meet certain people and we are meant to fall into these funny circumstances with individuals you know and i, I would say that uh, if it weren't for the gentleman joining us on the line here mike clelland right now i might not have begun to really look at my own synchronistic experiences quite the way that i do i hope that other people find that same kind of insight from this discussion here on the grayling report we'll be back right after this the high mountains of Appalachia, it's the Gralian Report with Micah Hanks. To join the program by phone, call 828-398-4886.
0: Skype users can reach the program by calling Skype ID, Gralian Report. And now, from hundreds of miles beneath terra firma, in the depths
1: of the hollow earth, live from the Gralian Bunker, it's Micah Hanks. You know, we said it would be a 30-minute section of the program that we would do do with Mike Clellan. but when Mike and I get to talking, you know, they call me the Mouth of the South, But, uh, you know, you get Mike and I together and there's going to be a long conversation. That's just a guarantee. And I'm sure that everyone enjoys it. You know, Mike, you're you're so insightful in your approaches to this uh, subject matter. uh, It's something that I truly appreciate. And I think that other people who look for, uh, you know, things of a little substance in terms of their understanding of Fortiana and phenomenology, I I think they recognize that in your own research. And so before we... uh, in this uh, chat with you, I did want to give you an opportunity, real quick, to you know talk about anything else that you've got going on, and you know, where people can find out more about you and your work.
0: Uh, oh, I'm not sure. So the blog is the the main resource I have. And now um, I've also been doing a bunch of audio interviews, uh, which I don't have any kind of schedule for. I do them anytime I feel like it, and I only really do them when I uh, I feel motivated. And you you were on one uh, then, uh, and I don't have any time count on those things. So um. Uh, so that's what I uh, have been putting a lot of work into over the last few years. Um, uh, and as far as the owl thing, it's very interesting. I, the, I, the owl thing has been kind of a uh, a nice, um, I almost want to say like a calling card in a way, where uh, there was a certain point I was seeing so many owls, and, and I sort of had to delineate, like, the owl that's off on a fence way off to the side. You know, like, I was basically, hey, that does not count. I don't, I'm don't. i not paying attention to that owl. So I, I literally said out loud, I said to the universe, I said, listen, I'm not going to pay t- attention to an owl unless it crosses my path. Uh, and then I think less than 48 hours, I was writing... Uh, Later, I was riding my bike uh, through the little town I live in, and an owl uh, swooped down from one tree and landed on another tree. You know, like basically gliding down in the way, and crossed my path right at about eye level, fairly close to me, close enough that it seemed a little absurd that I had made that uh, plea to the universe. You know, uh, less than two days before, Uh, and and since then, uh, I have been taking the mode of owls as well as synchronicities. I, you know, I mean, some of them could be written off as coincidence, sure. But what I have done is I have made an effort to document these things uh, and then put them on the blog. Uh, and some of them are very interesting. Some of them are sort of fleeting. But I feel the act of documentation and sharing them in such a public forum has its own, its own sort of power. And so I, I just find that the... that the uh, the flavor of the synchronicity is something that I have learned to trust more and then to follow it a little more, whether whether some people call it breadcrumbs, some people call it, uh, you know, the compass bearing, some people call it a fork in the path. You know, the, the synchronicities are giving me information, and I am making a very real effort to trust that information, and then to to sort of uh, organize my life in a way and and truly follow these synchronicities. And what it has done, it has uh, allowed me to, um, I feel like, to get a little more immersed in these esoteric subjects in a way with a little more... um, Heart, I guess, is one way to put it, uh, and and it's been extremely rewarding. Uh, it's been challenging in a lot of ways because it's taken me down some paths I don't think I would have gone down um, without the the gentle nudging of these synchronicities.
1: You know, in in that sense, you're almost a you know an intuitive. I think you know, looking for little pokes and jabs from you know the corners and from the from the shadows, uh, however they choose to present themselves to you. And then uh, involving yourself uh, in, in those kinds of things, you know, uh, in, in a very real way. So, Mike, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the Graylian Report. You're very welcome. I appreciate it. Always, my friend, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you.
0: Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in at the end of uh, the Grailian Report excerpt. Uh, I shared a few stories about owls in there, and I'm going to share a couple more Uh, mostly just because I think they're interesting and I find the verbal format, uh, some people uh, get get more out of it than maybe the written format. Now, um, during the podcast there, I did talk about how I had been seeing a lot of owls and I basically, um, out of, I guess, in almost a form of exasperation, I I made like a conscious plea to the universe that I wasn't going to pay attention to owls unless they crossed my path. And I I literally said that out loud. Uh, That would have been... October of 2009, right at the very beginning. Uh, It seemed like just a few days later I had an experience where an owl actually did cross my path on a bicycle and um, now I'm gonna jump ahead uh, to October 2010, a year later. This, uh, This little story, I had no idea what to make of it, but there's all these little converging elements that I think are interesting. I uh, live in a very small town. I live a few miles outside of the main street of the town and there's an old railroad and there's an old railroad track that has been changed into a um, bike trail. So it's a paved bike trail so I can ride in and out of town. So I uh, get on my bicycle, I'm riding to town, and I bump into an old girlfriend. Now I'm gonna use a pseudonym for her name and I'm gonna call her Carol. And uh, we dated Uh, would have been ten years earlier, so a full decade earlier, and um, it was a great... I was super fond of her. We had a great time. Um, She and I chose to end it in a very uh, amicable way, so it's been... uh, it was a nice relationship. and I was always very, very fond of her. Now, uh, she is now married and has three kids, so two kids were on bicycles, uh, a little boy, a little girl, and then she was pushing her newborn in one of those little um, jogging carts. So she was kind of jogging along and I was on the bicycle and I was talking to her and it was nice to see her. and It was nice to see the kids. They were adorable. And um, while we were traveling on the bike path, she kind of out of the blue says, you know what was interesting about that summer that we spent all that time together? I saw so much wildlife that summer. Which was true. We, her and I both spent a lot of time in the mountains And then I said, uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. And and a funny thing is, lately I've been seeing a lot of owls. And I mentioned that. I said it out loud. And she, you know, was kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Um, Now, uh, it was October, so it was kind of chilly. And her one son uh, was complaining of cold hands. And he was very young. I guess he must be about five or six. And um, she stopped. And she pulled something out of her little pack and she gave her son some gloves, and I watched her put these gloves on her son, and they were my, the gloves I had given her a decade earlier. I recognized them immediately. I gave them to her as a gift. Uh, gloves is something you give someone here in a cold environment where I live like this, uh, and uh, it was. And she looked at me, and she said, oh, you recognize those, and I said, yep, I recognized them right away, so I thought that was very odd. So we continued riding, and the bike path uh, crosses a bridge at one point in, in uh, near the bridge there are some tall trees and some tall bushes and it seemed that I was on my bicycle was much higher than anyone else and I looked ahead as we approached the bridge and I saw an owl fly across the the bike path um, and it was only me that noticed it and Carol was with her um, youngest in with the uh, with the little jogging cart and I was with the two kids a little bit more up front And I said, ooh, ooh, I saw an owl. Let's go see if we can find it. So I take the two kids, and we ride our bikes, and we set the bikes down near the bridge, and then we sort of tiptoe along the bike path, because I I, have sensed where the owl had landed. And um, sure enough, there is a great horned owl perched on a tree. This is full daylight. It's very unusual to see a great horned owl in the day. perched on a tree, and it was probably, I'm going to say 15 feet from us. So it was very close, and it was on a very low branch. It was in some cottonwoods. So we were looking at it, and the owl was looking back at us. So here I was with a little boy and a little girl, and um, it was really magical. We were so close to this owl, and I felt that all of us were really transfixed by this owl. Uh, We watched for perhaps a minute, and the owl very slowly and very elegantly sort of stretched its wings out, looked at us, hopped off its branch, and flew away from us. It was it was really profound. Um, and then, uh, at that point, Carol had arrived at the bridge. Uh, there's, a, there's a spot where she parked her car, and um, now, now there's one more detail I want to add here which is going to sound a little awkward and I hope it comes out okay. Uh, Carol's Daughter saw who sat with me, and we saw the owl. Uh, is very young and very cute, and uh, you know is prone to just burst out and say things. And she turned to her mom and said, "Mom, do you love Mike? Do you love Mike?" And she said it over and over again. And uh, Carol, you know, kind of laughed and she said, "No, no, no, no. Mike and I are just good friends." Uh, it was very endearing and very sweet, and I just thought that was such an odd thing that punctuated seeing this owl uh, so close with, with these two little kids. Now, let me um, jump to another story with uh, involving uh, some odd, curious, synchronistic events. I posted a very heartfelt podcast. It was just me talking just like this, and I posted it uh, over a year ago. It would have been posted in September of 2010, and the the uh, the subject matter of that was the month of October, 2009, which was a crazy intense month for me. I can't it, it, the the nuttiness of that month uh, just went off the charts for me, so I needed to try to articulate the weirdness and the impact that month had on me. So I did it in a in a podcast form where I just talked like this. Now I was it took me a few nights to do it. Uh, I I spoke into the microphone, just like I'm doing now, and then I edited it uh, shortly after that. Um, The editing process uh, was kind of interwoven with this talking process, but um, it took two nights. Now, on those two nights, which I think were... um, it wasn't two nights in a row, it was an alternating night, so there was one night off in the middle there. So the first night that I was going home on my bicycle from town, and this once again involves that bike path again, I... uh, was thinking, okay, okay, I'm on my way home, sun is setting, I'm gonna go home, I'm gonna work on this podcast, I'm gonna, you know, speak into the microphone, I'm gonna edit it, I'm gonna spill my guts, I'm gonna make it as honest as I can as I can possibly make it, and at that point, an owl flew across my path, uh, literally, you know, swooping down right in front of me on the bicycle. Now, uh, we'll jump ahead, two nights later, uh, the, the second night I was planning to work on this project, I was on a completely different road, Uh, sun was setting, I was on my bicycle, I was riding home, I was thinking to myself, okay, I'm going to ride home, I'm going to sit at the desk, I'm going to talk into the microphone, I'm going to edit this podcast, I'm going to make it as heartfelt as I possibly can, and at that moment, an owl crossed my path. It flew from one telephone pole to a fence on this uh, quiet country road that I was riding on my bicycle, uh, very close to me. So once again, an owl crossed my path. Uh, I hadn't seen owls... In any kind of uh, synchronistic way, it might have even been a year and then to have it have it happen within forty eight hours of each other and then uh in association with this podcast um I took as a sign that um that I should just take the podcast very seriously and i uh I was very i don't want to say self indulgent but um but let me just say I was very very honest in, in what I was trying to articulate about that month. Okay, this story uh, is a little more strange, and uh, it, it was it's in a blog post, and the blog post is titled Mac Tonys, Anya Briggs, and Owls, and uh, I should introduce each one of these individuals. Mac Tonys was a friend of mine who I never met. We spoke on the phone a lot. Uh, he's the author of a series of books and he died in October of 2009 quite unexpectedly he was very young he was 34 years old and he died of uh, a heart condition Um, that was one of the events that took place in October of 2009 and that event was very hard on me Um, he was a shining light in my life as far as someone I could talk to about um, this these these challenging issues that Um, that I'm struggling with in trying to articulate in this blog. Now, Anya Briggs is someone else. Now, I met her online on Halloween in October of 2009, so there's that month again. And I met her under uh, sort of odd, synchronistic circumstances, and our first phone call I think was seven hours long. Now, Anya Briggs is a working psychic and uh, I've had some experiences where she has given me psychic sessions uh, that are off-the-charts bizarre as well as uh, very insightful so I trust her skills as a psychic. Now um, this is typical of any synchronicity event. It's these things. These, this story is a little complicated. Uh, I'll try to give it to you step by step. Now before Mac died He was on Coast to Coast just a few weeks before he died. He was a featured guest uh, with George Norrie, and his uh, performance on that show was remarkable. It was great. He spoke with beautiful clarity, and you could tell that uh, George Norrie was really impressed and really had a great time talking to him. And, And during that show... Mac Tonys mentions me, he doesn't use my name, but he says a friend of mine who's quite an outdoorsman has been seeing a lot of owls. And he talks a little bit about that and then they get sidetracked a little bit. And um, I emailed Mac shortly after that and said, hey Mac, I heard you mention me on on Coast to Coast. And his reply was, um, in email form, was yes, but I didn't have time to finish the story or even tell it properly. And I wasn't quite sure what he meant and shortly after that he died so I never knew what he meant. Now uh... let's fast forward um, into the spring of 2011 and I was on a phone call with Anya Briggs. Now this is something that has happened between Anya and I multiple times. Um, During the phone call uh, I mentioned Mac Tonys and I mentioned that I felt that Mac was kind of uh, uh, putting the pressure on me to, to work on a graphic novel. I definitely sense that there was like a... Uh, his presence was there, egging me on. Now, uh, Anya, ever the psychic, suddenly blurts out, Oh, Max here! And then she kind of laughs, and she says, Oh, I like this guy. And uh, she's done this multiple times, uh, where all of a sudden she seems to be channeling Max's voice from beyond the grave. Uh, it's always a little shocking to me. It's always a little bit uncomfortable for me, because I don't know quite what to do. So she was basically saying, "Oh, I like this guy. Oh, he's saying hello. He's saying he's doing fine. He says, his, you know," but and then I say, "Okay, I, I need to ask Mac this question." So I say, "Mac, when you were on Coast to Coast, you told a little bit of one of my owl stories, but later you emailed me and said that you never got to finish the story properly, and and I really don't know what you meant and what were you going to say." Now, without skipping a beat, Anya replied. I was going to say that the owls might be a kind of window into your world. That some other force, some other entities are using those great big eyes as a tool to see into your reality. Their eyes are like a video camera and they are a direct link and someone was watching you. Now that little bit of dialogue uh, that I just gave there was kind of paraphrased from memory, but it made absolutely perfect sense. Now I realized it it took Anya channeling as a as a medium that little uh, that little few sentences for me to put together in my head that Mac and I had actually talked about that years ago uh, probably in the spring of 2009 after Whitley Strieber had made a similar comment on my blog which curiously enough now this is how it all ties in this gets very strange Mac and Whitley were friends on Twitter and they were sharing back and forth uh, interesting little online links. So Mac and Whitley had connected. Mac had told Whitley about an owl posting that I had put on my blog within the very first week of it starting. So that would have been March of 2009. Whitley reads the blog posting, leaves a message, and, and in a very short simple way says as much that these that the owl potentially is a conduit to another realm uh with those great big eyes uh, and that the visitors the you know f- the entities the potentially the ufo occupants are using the owls as a tool now, now i had been wondering for over a year what mac was hinting at in that email anya sums it up without skipping a beat uh in a perfectly direct form and speaking in the first person as if she was Mac uh, about this thing that converges with with owls myself and potentially uh, the occupants of the UFOs the, these visitor entities um, this is this is exactly the kind of synchronistic experience uh, that Mac just reveled in. He just loved this stuff. And it was so heartening and delightful to, to have that short conversation with Anya uh, and to sense the very real presence of, of Mac just chiming in and, and uh, you know, just in essence, sending me that final email that he never sent. Uh, 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 now on my blog, I have made a very real effort to document any kind of of uh, owl sighting or synchronicity that seems even remotely interesting. Uh, I have uh, they're all labeled. If you look down at the bottom in the labels, you just click on owl, they all line up. There's like 27 of them at this point. Some of them may not be that interesting. Some of them, you know, could be chalked up to mere coincidence. But some of them are more powerful. In a way that uh, that I don't quite understand. I am going to continue to document synchronicities as well as owl sightings and just put it all out there in a very public format. Um, I find that there is a resonant power in doing that, and um, it is a very interesting oh, sort of life experiment to to be so so overtly self-aware of my own set of uh, synchronistic experiences. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now.